Welcome to another inspirational message from Gateway Life Church. We're so glad that you've joined us and trust that this podcast will be a blessing to you. Uh, I want to share with you today just my favorite dad joke of all time. Now, the good news is there's only one. I just love this one. And the, the thing is, it's so true. Does anyone know why you never see elephants hiding in a tree? Well, it's because they're so good at it. You know what I'm saying? They're just that good at hiding. That's my one and only dad joke. So thankfully, <laughs> so we can all thank God for that, can't we? That that's my one and only dad joke. Today, I want to share with you a passage that has inspired me for years. And every time I read it, it speaks to me in a fresh way. As the Apostle Paul gives us three pillars or three verbs to win, to move forward, and the one thing he chooses to forget. Paul uses some very powerful and descriptive imagery of what it's going to take for us to successfully achieve not just some personal life goals, but how to possess the ultimate prize of all, which is eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. Like that's the ultimate goal of all. Can I get an amen on that one? And so Paul, I believe, is really you know, wanting to help us as God is to achieve personal life goals, but once again, to lay hold of the greatest of all, and that's eternal salvation. Remember, there is a life after this one. Heaven and earth will pass away, but they who do the will of God will abide forever. And so today I'm going to read from Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. And this is also gateway word of the week. And it says, Paul says, not that I have already attained it, or am already perfected. Let me pause there for a moment. Perfection on this side of eternity will never exist. So let's stop trying to be perfect and have a perfection mentality because that is a too heavy burden to bear. For all the dads out there, uh, I know that you're not the perfect dad. I'm not the perfect dad either. But it's not about perfection. It's about progress. You know, I often say to people, I said, hey, you know, let's remember that even though we may not be all that we ought to be, let's take a moment to give thanks because at least we're not what we used to be. We're moving forward and we're progressing. He says, but I press on that I may take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not count myself, here he goes again, to have apprehended it all. In other words, he's saying that I haven't arrived yet. And he's also saying that there's plenty of room for spiritual growth and for development and improvement. That's what he's saying. Is there anyone else here like that today, like where there's just some room for some spiritual, you know, development? <laughs> Pove's has got uh, both hands up. I just need to take this jacket off because it's getting hot up here. All right. Yeah, Paul, you know this is coming. Now, I've seen... Here, thanks, man. The pins come out. I was going to throw my jacket on you, 
and, and see what happened after that, but it's all right. <laughs> it's all good. So, you know, there's always room, and that means there's always an opportunity, and that's a great thing. There's always hope for the future. He goes on to say, but one thing, not many things, there's not many things, but one thing I do is forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are, which are ahead. And if Paul hadn't already let us know just how focused and how determined and how passionate he was about the future, he then concludes with this powerful confession of faith when he says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so today, I want to highlight three pillars or three verbs that will help us to win and to move forward. Do you know, Josiah, do you know, Jonas, that God wants us to win? He wants us to win, and I'll share a little story in a few moments that just proves that. But he wants us to win. In case you don't know, a verb is a doing word. It's an action word expressed through a state of being. And so the first key or the first verb today is the pillar to press on. God is saying to someone here today, press on. I know that there are a lot of things, I feel the Holy Spirit saying, I know that there's a lot of things pressing in against you right now. I know that post-pandemic, there's a lot of stacking of things. You know, once upon a time, once upon a generation, there was what's called the Great Depression, okay, many years ago, or the Great Recession. Post-pandemic, it's been uh, labeled as the Great Resignation where people are just resigning from employment. They're just resigning from volunteering. Uh, I'm hearing it all the time. We, uh, Trina and I uh, even just recently went to Beechworth and went to our favorite little cafe there. We like to go for a drive. And so we went to this little cafe that we often frequent. And the owner said, he said, oh, for the days of the pandemic, because those days, he said, were so much easier than these days. And there seems to be like oppressing, an oppression upon people. But I, I want to encourage you today uh, with pillar number one, to press on. I feel like there are some people that have just stopped. They've stopped. But this term press on means to start. And someone here needs to press the start button on something in your life. And I, I don't know what that is, but you need to work out, you know, you know, like cars today, they have a start button. I think that's really cool, actually, pressing a start button. Someone here needs to press a start button. To press, to press on means to plug away, to carry on, to hold on, to chase after, run after, and to stick it out. It means to continue to keep moving forward in a determined way, despite of the problems, despite of the challenges and the setbacks. But Paul doesn't just press on or run for the sake of running, but he runs with purpose. 
He's running with an aim in mind. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26, he says, so I run. I think we're all running in some way. I think everyone here is probably potentially maybe even a little bit exhausted from running. But my question is, are you running uh, in the right lane? And are you running towards the right things? I see a lot of people who are, you know, rather tired and I get it. But sometimes I think to myself, you're tired because you're running the wrong lane and you're running in the wrong direction. Perhaps we need to repent, reset, get refreshed and run in the right lane. He says, I run with purpose in every step and not aimlessly, not like a boxer beating the air. In other words, I love that description. Um, you know, there's, there, there are certain disciplines that I love about, you know, the whole boxing world because it's such a discipline, right? And uh, I think it was Mike Tyson. I think he said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. And then we're like, we can be like, I don't want to do this anymore. Because I got into the ring with good intentions. I got the gloves on and I got the gear and I got the mouth guard and I'm throwing a few and I'm looking, you know, pretty fit and whatever. But I wasn't really planning on getting hit. And I tell you what, you know, we need to sometimes get hit. Sometimes. Sometimes. You know why? Because it's strengthening your jaw. It's helping, it's helping you to grow as a fighter. I've always said that the fight, it produces the fighter. You know, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And every time you get hit, I just want to declare that it's working together for your good. Okay? And it's strengthening you for what's coming up. I remember as a dad, you know, like Paul's talking about, you know, running the race, um, I remember that when the girls were young, I used to love going to their athletics carnivals. <laughs> it was the best. I just loved it, particularly when they first were in primary school. I'd love to go to their events. And I want you to just, you know, hear my story. And, and as you hear my story over the next few moments, just be mindful how, you know, this is, I believe, reflective of our Heavenly Father towards towards you and I, right? So as soon as I turn up to the track, you know, there's like what? There's like hundreds of kids there, isn't there? Hundreds of kids screaming, running around, ah, you know, it's all happening. And, uh, but my eyes are only on one kid. You know what I'm saying? They're just on one kid. There's hundreds, but my eyes, like, are just on one. And I'm watching Anna, so this is when Holly wasn't at school because Anna is the eldest, and, and I'm watching my little girl wherever she is. I'm just watching. And can you imagine that if there's any danger, how this dad is going to be in that situation in just a matter of seconds? Do you understand what I'm saying? Remember, I want you to think about our Heavenly Father towards you. So my eyes are just on my kid, and I'm watching Anna, and I'm just smiling every, every moment uh, that I'm looking at her. And so then it was time for her race. And uh, for me, this will always be a funny thing, uh, a great story for me, and a great memory. So she was running in the 100-meter dash, okay? And all the kids are lined up at uh, Alexandra Park, and and uh, you know get down and boom the gun goes off and they're off and my little girl she can run 
You know, she gets that. Trina won't mind me saying this, but she does get that from me because I had a bit of speed uh, in my younger day. And, uh, and so she's off. And this is like her first race ever in her whole life. And so she's out front. She's out front. And I'm thinking, man, oh, man, look at her go. And then she started to look over her shoulder because she's like, wow, I'm out front. And as she looks over her shoulder, she literally goes skew if like this. So she might have started in lane one, but she's finished the race like in lane 10. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and then she's like, she can't believe she's won. And I'm like, yay, you know. Uh, and so, you know, her race wasn't a perfect race. You know what I'm saying? Because she's gone, literally, she was, you know, if the officials wanted to, they could have totally disqualified her. But, uh, but she won. And, and really, another point of this story is just to say that I was just excited that she was in the race. I was just excited that she was moving. I was just excited that she had started and she was beginning to move forward. The fact that she went off course uh, and whether or not she came first or not, that's not the issue with me. The thing I was proud of is that she got in her lane, she started and she moved forward. And God loves it too when you just start to get in your lane and to begin to move in the right direction. You see, Paul says, I run with purpose in every step. And God isn't looking for you to compete against another individual or athlete. He's just looking for you just to run your race. You don't have any other competitor in this world. You are your only competitor. Your competitor, your greatest adversary, if you like, is the one in the mirror. So I just believe that if we did a little bit less of looking to the left or looking to the right or looking over our shoulder and just begin to focus, like Paul, uh, Paul says on the author, the perfecter and the finisher of our race, then we'll head in the right direction. You see, the problem, as you know, uh, when you look over your shoulder, you begin to head in that direction. Wherever your eyes are looking, that's the direction that you're going to begin to head in, uh, head towards. That happened last night, even with some of our goal kicking uh, with uh, the Collingwood Football Club. You could just see they were heading in a certain direction, and that's exactly where the ball went. Okay, so we've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Point number two today, the second pillar or verb that Paul describes in his pursuit of Christ is to take hold. Okay, it's to take hold, which means to lay hold. It means to apprehend, to arrest, to catch and to seize. It means to make it your own, to take the lead or to, and to take the field. I want to encourage you to lay hold of Christ for which he has laid hold of you. I wish I had a footy right now. I'd have a little bit of one-on-one -on -one with Piltsy uh, over there who can, you know, drill it from a thousand paces, lace out, mind you, right on the chest. Uh, he's that good a kick. But, you know, it's always easier to mark a football with both hands. So much harder to mark something with one hand. 
if another player is holding you, if you're being held or being tagged or whatever it might be, it's a lot harder to juggle that ball with one hand. Any footballer will tell you that it's far easier to lay hold of something with both hands. And the Bible tells us to lay hold of Christ like He has laid hold of you. Could it be, and I don't know, you answered the question, but could it be that one of the reasons why our faith is at times a little bit indecisive, where we've got a few too many doubts, where our faith is wavering, where we're kind of in and out and whatever, and, and I know that can be at times the faith walk, but could it be because we've got one hand on Christ and one hand on self? or one hand on the past. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's very difficult to, to live successfully and victoriously if we've got one hand on our history and one hand on our today or our destiny. You know, I think the Bible actually calls that being double-minded. And the Bible promises, my friend, that if you're double-minded, you're not going to receive anything from the Lord. Okay, we need to know that that's Christianity 101. Okay, it's Christianity 101. We've got to be decisive, almost like to the point where we're sick and tired of just being where we're at in life or being where we're at in faith or being where we're at in our marriage or in our whatever it might be. We need to get some decisiveness, some commitment. This is why we're looking at point number two today because it means to arrest Ever seen a policeman like half arrest someone? Ever seen someone, you know, tentatively, you know, like, uh, would you consider coming over here with me? If it's not too inconvenient for what you're doing right now, but like, if you come over here, you know, it's not, no, it's like, boom, you know, sorry if that's triggering anyone right now, <laughs> if you've ever been arrested. But, uh, but we're talking about arresting the things of God to lay hold of, to seize, to catch. You see, God is talking like this today because He wants you to win. This is the kind of commitment that it's going to require in order for you to, to fulfill everything that God has for you. Point number three today, the last point, the third pillar or verb and descriptive imagery that Paul uses is the phrase reaching forward. Reaching forward is a powerful statement. Even as we picture an athlete straining towards the goal to the finish line and stretching every inch of their body to go further. In fact, it can be the difference between winning and losing. The stretch, extending ourselves. You know, I love the way that an athlete will just, in those last few steps, they're just like, ah, they're just extending, stretching themselves to cross that line as best as they can. You know, the Bible is full of uh, passages that talk about the stretch. I want to put this word out there right now because I want to help you. You know, I'm not here to tick boxes. I, I really want to help you. You know, I think some of you need to move from perhaps being a little bit apathetic to getting more decisive and to reach forward, to stretch, to extend yourself. 
Do all that you can. You know, that's going to get you over the line. That's going to cause you to win. A bit of decisiveness. Reaching forward. It's such a powerful statement. And the one thing that Paul chooses to forget is his past. When he says in verse 13, But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. If you've been thinking, you know, what is it that's holding me back? That's easy. It's the past. It's the history. You know, I, I had the honor to uh, minister at our Gateway Youth uh, gathering on Friday night. And I was talking about this, how, you know, I said to the youth, you know, there's lots of things that you can think about. There's many things, but Paul says to focus on one thing and forget, and that's to forget what's behind. If anyone here is, uh, you know, on social media, whether you are or whether you're not, it doesn't matter. But for those of you on social media, you'd be familiar with the term to unfriend, right? To unfriend someone on Facebook. You'd be familiar with the term to unfollow. If you're on Instagram or on Twitter, (laughs) anyone here on Twitter? Yeah, now Twitter's old now. (laughs) But anyway, um, you'd be familiar with that term to unfriend, to unfollow, or to delete. But you know, some of the things that we need to unfriend and some of the things that we need to unfollow and delete is that that little negative committee on the inside of our minds. You know, we need to sack some of that committee that just has that ongoing conversation around that little table in our heads. We've got to unfollow some of those historic. We've got to uh, unfriend and, and delete some of the events that have happened in our history because that is holding you and I back. We've got to get past our past because our future is not in our past. Let me ask you this question. What do you need to forget in your past so that you can focus on your future? Just imagine for a moment with me, what do you think it would feel like to no longer be influenced by your history? What do you think it would feel like? Can you imagine the, the freedom attached to that feeling of no longer being, you know, grounded by your history and being free to pursue your destiny. What price would you pay for freedom? I think that's a good question to ask. What price would you pay for your freedom of mind, for your freedom of heart, for your freedom of soul, where you can take that, that great big satisfying deep breath You know, I thank God. Don't you thank God for a great, big, deep, satisfying, deep breath? But when it's hard to have a satisfying, deep breath, I think there's anxiety attached to that. But I want to ask you, what price would you pay for freedom? We've got to get past our past. You know, just uh, a few moments earlier, in Philippians chapter 3, we read even the Apostle Paul actually in some way counting something that was in his past. But let's have a look at how he defines that counting. Okay, And I want to encourage you also to define the same sort of counting as Paul does. 
He says, yet indeed, I also count. I count all things, here it is, loss. For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Can you see this, my brother? Can you see this, my sister? That what Paul is doing, what he's actually doing is counting all things, and he defines the count as a loss. So he puts that aside. For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. But he doesn't stop, stop there. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count, here he goes again, I count my history as rubbish. So first of all, he defines it as a loss. Then he, uh, he counts it, defines it as rubbish. It's a loss, and it's rubbish. And then he goes on to say again that I may gain Christ. Don't you think it's interesting that Paul is saying that in order for me to gain Christ and the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, I need to count things in my history as a loss and as rubbish. Now, I think when it comes to my history, the things that, you know, I'm, uh, I no longer want to revisit and, you know, the, at times the negativity and whatever, I think... On one hand, well, let's just learn the lessons that we need to learn, right? So we grow in wisdom. Somebody, I turned 54 recently and somebody asked me, you know, what would you, you know, if you had your time again, what would you do if you were 27, half my age? What would you do differently? One of the things I said is that I would make my mistakes earlier. <laughs> I'd make my mistakes earlier so I could grow and, and move on. But... Can we see the contrast here, how we can't have the two together? Jesus said, you can't serve two masters because you hold to one and you let go of the other. And if you want to be someone who moves forward, who grows in the things of God, who becomes more like Christ, and I hope and I pray and I trust that that is what you want, then you've got to let go of one so that you can lay hold of the other. Because I'm here to tell you, you cannot have both. And you never will be able to. And God is just up there in heaven and he's just waiting for us to let go of what's already in our hands, our sin, our history, our mistakes, our failures. He's waiting for us to let go what's in our hand so he can get, put something new in our hands. So just want to get to the business end of our <clears throat> service now. I like that. It's nice. You know what I like? I like really... Oh, that was a fluke, by the way. <laughs> Is it just me or did that sound all right? It sounded all right. <laughs> That's the Holy Spirit, let me tell you. All right. Yeah, it's lovely. Sorry. Keep going. I just thought I'd have a go. Uh, Nora and Ben led us uh, in a song today entitled Yes and Amen. Yes and Amen. Uh, isn't it true that one of the things that we all learn as children, sometimes even as adults, is the word no? Yeah? No. We've probably all heard no 
more than we've heard yes. And I think this is one of the reasons why it can even be at times a little bit challenging to come before God and ask Him for things. Because maybe we think that there's an invisible script in our heads that we're reading that says, He's, he's going to say no. And then I didn't get what I wanted when I wanted and say, there we go again, it's a no. But I want to flip the script today. You know, God wants to flip the script in your life, Kim. I don't know why I'm addressing you right now. But God wants to flip the script in your life. Yeah, I just, I just know, and I believe that you've got faith for it. I believe that you're ready for it. I feel like God is saying you're ready for just all things new. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. And that's not just a word for you, but I believe for anyone who wants to lay hold of it. Whenever God, it's an all, God's an all-inclusive God, Susan. He's an all-inclusive God. Steve. Got two Steves here. Two birds with one stone, Steve. Let me hit three birds with one stone. Adrian. Praise God, all the Adrians. Amen. Yeah. God wants to flip the script because the Bible is full of commands and promises and a command from God is something we do and follow through with, but a promise from God is something that He will do and that He will follow through on. A command from God, I want to say it again, is something that we do and follow through with, getting in proximity like you are today. But a promise from God is something that He does in spite of us. When God gives a command, He says, you do. But when God gives a promise, He says, I'll do. And did you know that one of God's favorite words to say is yes. That's one of his favorite words. He wants to say yes more than he says no. But if he does say no, he says it because of love. I'm, thank I I'm thankful that God has said no to me, even when I wanted a yes, because it was love. And he was protecting me, and he protects us. But one of his favorite uh, uh, words in all of the Bible is the word yes. We sang about it, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 19 and 21, it says, For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you, and as God's ultimate yes, he always does what he says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascending to God for His glory. Isn't it true that we want a yes from God to give God glory? We want a yes from God to give God glory. The promises of God are yes and furthermore, amen. The word yes in Greek means certain and true. Amen is Hebrew and means so be it or it is already done. So be it or it's already done. Let me say that again. The word yes in Greek means certain and true, Paul. How good is that? 
and amen is Hebrew. So be it, it is already done. Let me just invite you to stand today as we begin to just bring this service to a close. Uh, Stand only if you're able to. Only if you're able to. You know, what do you think is uh, something that God would say yes to like that? You know, let let me just share with you something that God will say yes to every single time, just like that. You ready? God, will you forgive me of all my sins? Yes. God doesn't even have to think about that. That is yes and amen. God, would you forgive me? I just repent for my apathy, for wavering between two opinions, for spending too much time in the valley of indecision. Would you forgive me for my apathy? Yes. See, like I said earlier, quite often we've been, we, we, we just know, we've, been, we've heard the word no too often, but God is wanting to say yes. Yes, I love you. Yes, I forgive you. Hey, yes, I'm with you. Yes, I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. Yes, I'll be faithful to you to the end. Yes, even when you're unfaithful, yes, I'll be faithful because I'll never deny my own word. And yes, I've got a great purpose for you. And yes, you're going to make it. And yes, there's hope for the future. And yes, you're going to overcome. And yes, the test will be converted to a testimony and the mess into a message. Yes. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Gateway Life Church. For more information, please visit gatewaylifechurch.org.au. God bless and have a great day.